Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on the We Thrive podcast, where we share stories from entrepreneurs around the world on how they're creating an impactful legacy. I'm your host, Casey Clark, and I'm the founder and chief growth officer of C. Clark Consulting. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Ryan, who owns Holistic Health Associates. Hi, Casey. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This is great. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you. Well, you know, um, live in Frederick, Maryland, and uh, we have a, a practice here, Holistic Health Associates, and, and I am uh, this, one of the senior acupuncturists and the owner of the practice. Um, and, uh, you know, grew up, in, grew up in Maryland, in Baltimore, and um, I'm local my whole life, traveled a little bit, lived out of state for a little bit, but for the most part, you know, couldn't, couldn't help but to come back. And one of the things that I think for me was kind of interesting was learning something like acupuncture and Chinese medicine in another state. We were, I was in New Mexico and, you know, New Mexico is beautiful and it, it has this kind of like West Coast, um, aura about it. It has, you know, people are into acupuncture even 20 years ago when I was studying it, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, there was something kind of drawing me back to the East Coast and, you know, my family is, is all here, friends that I grew up with are here, but also the East Coast at that time was so far behind when it came to holistic medicine. And I just felt like it was important to come back and be kind of in my I don't know, tribe, if you will, and, uh, and and try and bring some of that back over here. And so that's what we've been trying to do in Frederick now with Holistic Health and uh, now soon to be in Boonesboro. So um, yeah, Congratulations. so thank you. Absolutely. So how did you get involved with Chinese medicine? Well, you know, that's a great question. Why I don't, I still don't know. <laughs> I, mean, okay. I mean, you know, I think, you know, we all had these things growing up that, that influence us and kind of point, you know, push us in a, in a direction uh, subconsciously or consciously, you know, however you want to, but, you know, there were, there were a couple things that I can point to um, how a good Jewish boy from Baltimore ends up in a field like Chinese medicine. Um, but uh uh, one is, I, I mean, I played a lot of sports when I was younger, got in, you know, had injuries and, you know, was always in, you know, going to physical therapy and was doing, so I, I got into health and kind of keeping track of my body and my mind at a relatively early age when it came to that, just like most student athletes do, you know, mm -hmm. um, and and so I was planning to go to, to medical school and, you know, I had, you know, bachelor's degree in biology and was pre-med and but my entire life from when I was a kid, I had this, there was one black sheep in my family, which is my, my aunt, my father's sister, who was into, you know, astrology and tarot and meditation and, you know, crystals and all, all kinds of stuff that, you know, the rest of my family was kind of like, you know, she's totally out to lunch, <laughs> totally crazy, you know. But for whatever reason, it was something that I found interesting and we had a great relationship and we always connected around these kinds of things. And it was very, I found it very insightful. You know, she was, she was giving insight and intuition to, some, to, to certain aspects of life that we never talked about. 
You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so as a kid, when you're, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, that can be very impactful. And, you know, reflecting back, I am sure that that is what drove me down the road of something that was a little more alternative in the medical field, because, um, you know, looking at the pre-med option, I just felt very bored. Even before I went to that, even before going to medical school, it always felt like there was something missing uh, in that prospect. And, you know, I did internships with different, you know, podiatrists and a physical therapist, and none of it was just kind of captivating to me. And then she actually gave me a book on acupuncture. She said, I've been going to one of these for 20 years. You know, uh, I know you've probably never heard of it, but just read the book and see what you think. And I read this book cover to cover in two days. And I had never had acupuncture before, didn't know anything about it. But philosophically, the way that the, the mind-body connection was talked about, was emphasized, was given credence, and was, you know, was not just like held as these two separate silos of health, but actually was looked at as this integrated whole. I mean, it was just so interesting to me, and I just found it to be incredibly, um, you know, compelling as far as how to help people. And, you know, I've always wanted to help people. I'm a people person. I love talking to people. I love getting in, you know, being around people. And, and you know, it, it just it just felt so, it just kind of called me, you know, at that point. I hate to be like totally esoteric about it, but, but it really did. I mean, I signed up to go to acupuncture to Chinese medicine school before I had ever received a treatment, before I had any experience with any kind of herbal medicine, before anything happened, I just knew that philosophically it was the right approach to medicine for me. And it wasn't until I literally got to acupuncture school that I had my first treatment. And at that time, I had a skin condition that I had been battling for six years. I'd tried all the hydrocortisone creams and everything that the dermatologists have been through, two, three different dermatologists. And it would be okay for a while, and then it would come back, and it would be okay for a while, and then it would come back. And I went to one of my, who became my mentors, and he, um, in two months of going to acupuncture a couple times a week and drinking this herbal decoction that, that, that he brewed, um, it was like it had never, I had never had it. And it never wow. came back. And it was just incredible. And that was the only real change. I mean, it, I, I, it, it, I hadn't gone through a major dietary change. I didn't do anything different socially. It was literally just that that changed it. And this was in a very dry climate in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so nothing was pointing to the fact that this made any sense other than the, the fact that it worked, you know? Right. So I'll awesome. that one. Yeah, that's awesome. Like you said, that intuition that you have, like you just know that you know. Yeah, look, sometimes, you know, in life, it's not about making just the logical decision that, that you can kind of put on your, you know, put on paper and it all makes sense. Sometimes you just kind of get a, you get a, um, you know, a drive to do something. And that drive is something worth paying attention to because it, it's coming from somewhere. Yeah. You know, it's coming from something and they're not always good. And it's important to be able to identify good and bad. And, you know, that's part of what we talk about in the treatment room sometimes, but, um, but it's there and it's, it's worth paying attention to for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds to me like that's one of the resources that you use to thrive. But before we get into that, what does that word thrive mean to you? Yeah. I mean, you know, what does thrive mean? You know, thrive can be so many different things, right? Based on context. But I, I kind of, um, I think that thrive to me, 
I relate it to being in a flow, you know what I mean? In, in something where you're, where you're, you're thriving because you're, you're, um, it's like you're riding a wave instead of paddling to get on top of it. You know what I mean? So when you're in that state where you just, you just feel like things are, are, are moving and you're a part of it and you can, you know, um, that to me is thriving. And so, yeah. you know, so when I'm in that state, I'm, you know, super excited, whether it's, you know, shooting baskets or, or, or whether, you know, or whether it's at work and things are just moving forward and we're able to help more people. And it, it, it's, that's what I think of as thriving is just being able to be in that flow state and, uh, and, and keep things moving, moving forward and, and being joyful about it, you know, being in a, in a state of joy that's, that's, that's moving, you know, that, that to me is thriving. Yeah. And knowing a little about you, I'm not surprised that you use the word flow considering like the chi and all that stuff. So, <laughs> I love it. We all have our biases, right? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about some obstacles that you've faced personally uh, when you've been trying to get into that flow. Yeah. I mean, you know, so much of that is psychological, I think. You know, it's like we all face our own uh demons our own shadow whatever you want to call it our own just just blocks you know to um to doing what we feel is right or to doing what we feel is the best choice because of various factors right so you know coming out of acupuncture school i felt great and then i moved to the east coast and people were like what do you, you do what you know and, it, and it, it became kind of like you get a little self-conscious you know you're here you are fresh out of school don't know you really don't know much of what you're doing I mean you do but there's so much more to doing what you do than when you first start doing it right we all know that and so there's nothing to sub that can substitute for actual real world experience and so um you know it doesn't take much when you're in already in a kind of um an insecure state that something can be said that immediately takes you out of that, that flow state or that thriving state, because then you start to second guess it. Did I do the right thing? And, and then you spend so much energy thinking about, you know, those doubts as opposed to just, okay, what's the next step? What do I need to do next? You know? And so um, it, there's been lots of lessons like that. I think over the years, even, even today, you know, when, when we're doing something and then somebody on my staff doesn't like something that we're doing, you know, that can easily derail the way that you are thinking about things because then you start second guessing, did I make the right decision? Oh, oh, maybe I'm, and then I, you know, there's so much that kind of goes into that and you just have to be able to put it aside, look at it, examine it for what it is. And then if it, if it is a bad decision, just own up to it and keep going. And if it's not, then just stand your ground and just keep going, you know, but either way, it's about taking that next step and just kind of like, you know, those, those moments in life halt you, right? They halt you psychologically. They halt you sometimes physically, you know? I mean, people have said to me, you know, I was working out and I got injured and now I'm like, I'm terrified to exercise again because mm -hmm. there's this block, right? And so, you know, because in their mind, working out might be, I have to, if I'm not going to work out for an hour, then I'm not getting enough exercise and it's not beneficial, which is totally false. You know, it's, all you really have to do is get moving, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you just have something happening that will get you back into the, into the, um, into, into the motion of it, I guess, if, if you, if you will. So, 
Yeah, lot, lots of things. I mean, those are just a couple examples that come to mind, but there's, I mean, hundreds more of times when I know that I have just sabotaged my, my own, you know, ability to thrive through just self-doubt and, you know, uh, just normal. It's just normal in life. I mean, we all experience it. No reason to pretend like it's not there. Yeah, absolutely agree. It is definitely psychological. <laughs> so, <laughs> definitely so. So how did you use specific resources to kind of overcome any self-doubt? I know you mentioned a mentor, but what else did you use? Um, I've been, I've been a, 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 a consistent meditator for 10 years now. Uh, no, longer. Oh, my God. 2006 it's 15 years now um so so i i meditate every day um i used to do a lot i used to you know before i had before i had a son my son i was meditating an hour a day in the morning and then sometimes again in the in the evening you know i i do about 20 to 30 minutes now and it, you know it's 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 enough i mean it's something that that for me having at least for now for me at this point in my life that it's something that i could just keep coming back to that's a that's a a cleanser if you will just like it, it just gives me the now some people that i speak to meditation is terrible for them because it they just think and think and think and they just they can't really let themselves go right so um so then that's not a good choice for for that person but you know for me i do multiple things right i think that um for me having uh actions in life that i can can be consistent with holds me accountable to my own ability to keep moving forward. So I meditate every day. I exercise every day. I, you know, um, uh, you know, I make my bed every day. Like there's certain little things that I do. I, I sit for my, the last, the last 90 seconds of my shower every morning is, is cold water, you know, just because I want to train my own. And, and these are not my ideas. Some of these came from other people, right? So, but these are things that I have adopted and used in my own life that I have found, you know, push me to be um, accountable to myself. And they push me from, they push my, my mind to not get lazy. And they push my body to not get lazy. And those are things that, um, and lazy is different for different people, right? But my, my own definition of lazy is that um, I know I can do better. So I constantly feel lazy, constantly, right? Because <laughs> you constantly know you can do better. But there are certain things that if you put them in your life, it, it kind of forces you to keep looking at that. And you keep looking at that aspect of yourself, then it, deep, it disempowers it. And when you can disempower that aspect of your life, it doesn't mean it goes away. It just means you can move through it without it halting your thriving, right? And so, so those are just some activities. I mean, there's other things, you know, I listen to something motivational every morning, you know, either a speaker that I like or an author or something or a motivational speaker, um, you know, for, for a few minutes every day. Um, you know, I, um, I try to read a book of, you know, at least one, at least one to two books a month. Um, so last year I read 18, read slash listen, I should say at this point. <laughs> okay. like, right. Um, so, you know, I think you just have to, you just have to find the things in your life that, um, that hold, that help you hold yourself accountable. And you have to be willing, I think, to hold yourself accountable. You have to be interested in it. It has to be, uh, of interest to you and uh, if it's not it's often some kind of fear that's holding you back from that it's something that you don't you don't want to be seen in a particular way you don't want someone you don't want to see yourself in a particular way um 
And the more you can just do that and just see yourself in that way, it just, you know, it, it lightens life up quite a bit and it just makes it, makes it more fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah. So a few things, I really admire the fact that you defined lazy from, you know, your own point of view and it really seems like you strive forward and you're constantly improving, but at the same time, it sounds like you know how to be still. So you have like that balance. So I definitely appreciate that. I feel like so many people feel like it's like all or nothing. Oh yeah. 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 I think that that's a really good point. And I think balance is different at different times. Right. And, um, you know, there are times in, in life where you need more stillness and there's times in life when you need more, uh, you know, passion and momentum and drive. But the reality is, you know, again, <laughs> I'm going to show my bias here. It, there's, a, there's something called the yin-yang symbol. Everyone's seen it. It's a circle with the little dot over here and the little dot over here. And the, sim the symbolism of that is that even at the height of one extreme, there's a little speck, there's a little dot of the, <laughs> you know, the other side in that, in that extreme. And I've always felt like that made so much sense to me. It was one of the first things I read in that book that I was telling you about. And to me, it just made perfect sense. You have to hold in the midst of all of the, the drive and passion of, let's just say, starting a new business or having your child or doing something like that. You have to hold, you have to pay attention and witness that there's a, that there's a stillness that you have to, that, that's still there. It just, you may not be paying attention to it as much, you know what I mean? But you want to be aware of it. And so, the more things you can put into your life that bring you back and forth between those two poles, the more you will be able to find what's necessary in the moment, you know, and that's, I think my, you know, the philosophy I've adopted around it. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it changes over time. So yeah, I think it's really important to recognize that. Even in a day it changes, right? Absolutely. You know, it's like, there's a macro change, which is, over the course of your life and then there's a micro change which is even in the course of a day when you're kind of like really frantic you know can you pay attention to finding a deep breath in the middle of that you know and when you're really quiet and really still can you get excited and happy about something can you laugh with your, your spouse can you you know can you um just do something silly and just break break that you know what i mean and so it, it it's I, anytime I feel like I'm getting too serious, I want to do something silly. And anytime I feel like I'm, I'm not accomplishing enough, I want to, you know, I want to get serious, you know, and it's, it's about just finding that and being aware of the opposite end. Yeah, absolutely. So with the field that you're in, I have to ask, and I'm going to try and keep it as close ended as possible, but is the cold shower thing just to close your pores or is there some Chinese method behind that? Well, interestingly enough, I'll keep this short because because I, I, I can probably go on forever about this. Interestingly enough, Chinese medicine actually emphasizes heat over cold uh, almost 100% of the time, about 90% of the time. Okay. So, so this, is, you know, um, but there's no, um, and the reason is because heat uh, increases movement, increases fluid movement, mm -hmm. right? When you heat up water, it moves faster. When you cool it down, it gets more solid. Most of the problems that we face physically are from lack of movement in our culture, not too much movement. So we want to keep things warm and speeding up so that blood keeps flowing and you keep get, getting things moving. Now, if you do a flash cold, 
yes, you have a you have a quick contraction, and then you have an increase in blood flow after that. So it's not the best thing from a Chinese medicine point of view, but there's there's you know there is some uh, there is a lot of science behind there being some benefit to this and. More than anything, for me, it's mental. I hate putting it on cold at the end of my shower. I despise <laughs> it. Why would you want the end of your shower to be cold? Like you want to get out of there nice and warm and feel good, right? But there's something in getting past my own um, uh, uh, resistance around that that is a symbol for me. And it's, it's a practice. It's about getting through that practice and getting through that time and then feeling like, oh, I've, I just accomplished something. You know, like, <laughs> but it, it does feel like to me, for me personally, it's more about the psychological than it is the actual physiological. But there, are, there, are, there is, you know, both behind that particular uh, practice. Okay, very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I'm fascinated with stuff like that, so I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a very different resource, so I was like, hmm, I'm going to inquire about that one. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about legacy. So you're opening up another location. You mentioned that you have a son. So what does that word legacy mean to you? Oh, man, it, it means a lot. It means so much. You know, I mean, I think, you know, legacy can be, um, you know, your family legacy. It can be your personal legacy. It can be your your collective legacy. Um, and, uh, you know, so much of legacy I think gets wrapped in a little bit into ego. Like what is your, your legacy gonna be? What is my legacy gonna be? And, um, and you know, I think that for me, when I think about legacy, I think about what, what can be impactful? What can make a difference at this time in life, in our history, um, you know, that I can contribute to? right? Those are, those are the three variables, I guess, that I just kind of came up with off the top of my head. This time in life that I, you know, that I'm, you know, driven about or passionate about and that I can contribute to, right? And so, um, you know, there's so many people out there that would benefit from utilizing a non-invasive uh, health medical care that um, has incredible results, which is, you know, different types of holistic medicine, in my case, acupuncture and herbal medicine. And there's so few people that are actually taking advantage of that opportunity, right? It's estimated right now that eight to 10% of Americans have even tried acupuncture. Wow. That, that means 90% of the population's never even tried it. And here's a, here's a practice, a medical practice that has been successful for 2000 years plus, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, you want to ask yourself, how do you bring that out more? How do you make, how do you make it more accessible? How do you um, make it less weird, you know, for people to try, you know? And so, so whenever I think about legacy, it's not, you know, how much money can I leave to my son or how much, you know, what can I, it's, it's about the type of impact I can have on the, 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 at least the local culture, you know, from a kind of, um, you know, business standpoint, what we can give and where we can help people to, to see a different way of, of living and live, you know, the type of health that we can offer. And it's about the type of impact I'm going to have on my family. So who am I when I come home after, you know, 12, 13 hours of 
you know, trying to open up a second location and you know, being frazzled and also treating patients and then doing, you know, and doing this and doing that, you know, do you, do you uh, uh, walk in the door, you know, talking first about how tired you are and how, how you know, what a, what a busy day you had, or do you walk in the door, you know, still from a perspective of ready to give mm -hmm. and, I think that that is the impact that you, you can have on other people that makes a big difference, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I did a personal development seminar and they had us do this activity where we had to see if we were a giver or a taker. And I was actually like everyone, well, I would say probably 95% of the people said that I was a taker and I'm like, oh no, we've got to change this. <laughs> but it was all because of how closed off I was. So mm -hmm. from that point forward, I mean, like you said, you have to come from a place of like, where, where can I give and how can I give to people? So yeah. it changes your life when you come from that perspective. Definitely. And it can be small things, right? It can just be like you said, just not being as closed off or, you know, this is something that I have struggled with over the years too, you know, you know, wanting to open up and, you know, start a conversation, but maybe not a great conversation starter. So what does that look like, you know, and how do you just smile at somebody? Yeah. You know, how do you, you know, touch somebody on the shoulder or do something maybe, you know, pre, pre pandemic, maybe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> very true. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Lots of good nuggets so far. So I'm excited to see what specific nuggets you have for our listeners that are just trying to thrive, whether personally or professionally. Yeah. Um, well, there's a, there's a couple of ways to think about nuggets, right? Some of it can just be tools that you use. You know, what are the things that you found to be effective in helping you through things? So um, that's one way to look at nuggets. And another way to look at nuggets is just things that you want to remind yourself of, you know, and, you know, coming home with a smile and, you know, kind of in a, in a um, silly mood, you know, those are, that, that's something I want to remind myself of every day, walk in the door in a way that's going to light up the room, you know, even if it, even if I have to force it, you know what I mean? It's okay to force it sometimes. You don't have to like be completely authentic 100% of the time. You know? <laughs> sometimes you're just miserable. That's okay. But you don't have to share that with everybody all the time, right? So, so choose how you want to show up. That's, that's one nugget. Like make it a conscious choice. Think about it when you're, you know, walking in with a group of people or when you're, um, you know, don't going to take on an activity. Think about it for a second beforehand and reflect before you actually just start doing and think about how you want to show up to that. That that would be kind of just like a philosophical nugget, you know? Yeah. Um, and then just like a, um, like a material nugget or things that I find to be helpful. I'm sure you've probably heard on the podcast before. I use, I use Evernote, you know, for, you know, for my, you know, keeping track of different things. I also take notes on books when I'm listening to them in that, in that app. I use Audible for, you know, for, for listening to books. Um, I'm a big like like list taker. I forget things all the time. So if I don't if I don't keep it in a prioritized list, and you know, I feel like half the time I spend just putting a list together and then prioritizing it and reprioritizing it. But you know, if you don't do that, you end up kind of wasting a lot of time. And so um, 
you know, I, so right now my latest one is I'm using the, the list on my Google calendar. I find, cause I look at it so much throughout the day, mm-hmm. um, that I find that I'm constantly aware of that. And, um, you know, and the other, the, I mean, and then I'll just kind of go back, I'll flip back to the philosophical nugget, you know, trying to go macro, micro, macro is, um, take that quiet time, you know, find, uh, even if it's for a few minutes a day to just to just sit still or stand still and let things kind of come go through your mind or or you know have a particular you know desire to think about something but one way or another take that quiet time because it's kind of shocking what pops up in that quiet time sometimes you know what i mean so you want to be open and you want to be in a in a place of receptivity, I, I think, you know, when it comes to being able to listen to that drive and that intuition in a way that makes sense. If you're not open and receptive, then that drive can take on some, some ugly, you know, kind of uh, directions. And so you want to take the time to step back and sit and just be quiet and like, be able to sit with that, and, you know, those things that come up. So um, taking a little bit of quiet time every day, even if it's five minutes of intentional quiet time, can be incredibly impactful. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody can do some of that. Yeah, I, when I first started meditating, I was like, this is the longest five minutes of my life. <laughs> but now it just goes by so fast. So yeah, yeah it's nice. It definitely had to be built up over time though so yeah definitely and 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 there's you know to your point like you know you've been doing it now for a while so you you get it right you, you know mm-hmm. but how many things do you do right away and are really good at or think not you're very good many at? not many <laughs> you can't just sit down on the piano and play beethoven you know what i mean you have to practice it and practice it so sitting quietly you know, it seems so silly, but it's, it's a practice. It's something that you, you know, in order to be comfortable in your own skin with, you have to start doing it, you know, because otherwise you just keep fighting it and, oh, that felt weird. Or, you know, I, I don't like that. You know, I'm, I'm thinking too much. I'm doing it. You're constantly, you know, uh, you know, judging your own experience instead of just actually being in the experience, you know? And so, um, you know, so I think that's just something I hear that with meditation all the time when I talk to people about it, like, well, I, I can't meditate. And I'm like, well, how, how many times have you tried? And oh, like four or five, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that might be why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's like, and, and then, the, like, how do you know you weren't meditating? Oh, because well, I was thinking, well, your mind doesn't stop just because you, you want to sit still. Your mind is you're not, your mind is not what's meditating. Your mind is thinking. That's what it's supposed to do. You just, you, you just want to be aware of the fact that that's part of it. That's part of your life. And so, yeah. um, you know, I know we're not necessarily kind of having a meditation discussion, but, you know, I think it's just in the context of finding that quiet space, it's important to realize that you don't have to, it doesn't have to look any particular way. You don't have to judge that time. You just mm-hmm. have to build it into your life and see, see what comes out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, taking a, it's a 10 month um, trauma informed yoga training. And one of the first weeks 
that we were in it, they said that a lot of the yoga gurus, like they'll, I think studies show that it's 12 breaths that they can go without their mind interrupting. Like it's not even that long. And yet all of us are like, oh, we have to go for five minutes without having any thoughts. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Impossible. Yeah. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. The best, the best, the, the meditation teacher that I, that I spent, you know, many years working with used to say that there, there's, you know, it's important to have an experience of meditation because then you know that there's something there, you know, so it's nice to be able to be in a retreat setting or some place where you can actually have an experience. But 99% of the time, you're just going to be aware that you're, you're, you're thinking, you know, you're just going to be aware that your mind is working. And the ability to sit through that is where resilience gets built up. It's where, you know, you know, your ability to sit through the challenges of life, sit through the, the discomforts of life is built up. It's, it's, you're building a different muscle when you're in that. And, and that's 99% of the time you're meditating. Right. So the idea that you're going to just sit down and your mind is going to be clear and you're going to be stress-free, that's just, that's just not the reality of what, you know, even the purpose of meditation is. It's not about me being stress-free. It's about me finding a different, um, uh, awareness, a different, a different insight, you know, that, that I might be able to share with somebody else, you yeah. know, or, or just be for somebody else. Right. And so, um, it, it, you know, I, when we take it out of it, it's about me, it really allows the, the things to happen in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. So, so many good nuggets. And you and I could talk for hours about oh, wellness related stuff. <laughs> so is there anything else that comes to mind for you that you'd like to share with our listeners? I mean, we just covered a lot. That was fun. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, my, my temptation is to ask, start asking you questions, just, you know, about how you got into meditation and why you started it or, you know, um, because you, you've brought it up a couple of times, but I don't know, you know, if you want to go there, but I would love to hear that. I mean, kind of like you, like when you get into the traditional, um, you know, like you said, you wanted to go to med school and everything. I was getting my MBA and I was like, there's something more. So I started exploring uh, why people, you know, were having so much trouble reducing their stress and especially in the workplace. Like I was working at a place where people were, you know, on bed rest because their blood pressure, they were having strokes and heart attacks and panic attacks. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, you know, something has got to be done. So I started searching around and found uh, Maryland University of Integrative Health and started their master's program in health and wellness coaching. And I swear to this day, I just paid thousands of thousands of dollars to transform my life because <laughs> like, I'm not even a coach, you know, but I learned so many things about, you know, meditation and acupuncture and just all of the different courses that we had. It was fascinating to me. And it, I mean, it helped me build resilience and go through just life with a different lens. And it was you know, it's helped me tremendously. Yeah, look, what, what could be more valuable to spend your money on than that? You know, like we can all save save it for things that are material, but does that really bring you the same joy that you got from gaining a certain insight into yourself and your, your own experience? And um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so, you know, happy to hear that. That's, that's, that's beautiful. And I can't wait to chat with you after the 
yoga, you know, the trauma-informed yoga series. That That is a great program. I know who's teaching that, you know, I know, yeah. you know and so I'm sure you're going to love it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely fascinating. So definitely. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It's always great chatting with you. And um, where can we find you on the internet or even, I know you're located in Frederick, where are you going to be opening in Boonesboro? So um, in Boonesboro, we are, we are uh, merging with the Boonesboro Wellness Center, which is right on Main Street. It is in the Clock Tower, which is the main center building in the middle of Boonesboro. So that's, that's awesome. where we're going to be over there. Um, and, you know, in, in Frederick, we're right by Frederick High School. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, uh, Facebook, Holistic Health Associates um, uh, on Facebook, uh, Instagram at HHA603, um, LinkedIn, Holistic Health Associates. Um, uh, <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you know, just if you go on any of those places and, and, and search for us, I think you'll find it. Uh, website is www.hhamdlikemaryland.com and uh, hope to be able to help in any way. Awesome. Well, thank you again. It is always a pleasure. And I'd also like to thank our music sponsor, Stephen Lamar Moore, who developed the music for our podcast. So thank you again, Ryan. Thank you. This is, this is a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad.